As legislators head back into session, we could see much more than Mayflowers blooming this spring. Representative David Bentz, who chairs the House Health and Human Development Committee, proposed legislation to keep telemedicine around even after the COVID-19 pandemic through House Bill 160. Although telehealth is nothing new to health care, this bill would make telemedicine a permanent option for doctor's appointments in Delaware. According to Representative Bentz, telehealth services are an extremely efficient way to deliver health care, making it more convenient and accessible for people from all walks of life. Coming up, you'll hear more from Representative Bentz, Meredith Tweedy, Senior Counsel for Christiana Care, who's also the Vice President of Government Affairs and Policy there. Finally, Dr. Joanne Bryce of Christiana Care joins the conversation as well. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. I'd like to welcome Representative David Bentz, as well as Meredith Tweedy and Dr. Joanne Bryce now to Whip Count. They're all here to discuss telemedicine in Delaware. First, I'd like to get the conversation started with Representative David Bentz. Tell us about House Bill 160, proposed legislation designed to keep Delawareans connected to remote health care that many of us simply call telemedicine. Thank you. So this bill is coming from what we've learned over the last year about how telemedicine can safely be expanded uh, to serve people more efficiently uh, remotely. Obviously, about a little over a year ago, the pandemic hit, um, and Delaware had some pretty tight parameters under which uh, telemedicine could be delivered and be utilized. And as a result of the pandemic and the, the need to make sure that people could continue to get health care in a socially distanced world, uh, the governor took a number of steps to break down a lot of those barriers that existed, the regulatory hurdles, the burdens that were limiting how telemedicine could be delivered in Delaware in an emergency setting, in an emergency response to the pandemic. Um, and what we've learned, I think, over the last year is that a lot of those steps that were taken, as we observe how it's unfolded over the last year and how healthcare has been delivered, uh, we've learned that a lot of these things that we're doing uh, can be done in a post-COVID world. You know, hopefully we're there sooner than later, um, but that we can continue without the threat of a pandemic, without the emergency of a pandemic, and expand people's access to this and the real value that it has um, to people who maybe are in underserved communities, who don't have easy access, who have transportation issues, who are homebound, things like that, that may prevent them from getting, or may make it very challenging for them to get all their healthcare needs met in person, uh, that it'll allow them to, to use virtual means. And the other thing, is that we've seen people become more comfortable with this technology, right? That because the pandemic's forced them to. So I think there's a mentality change too, that a lot of people who maybe were eligible for telemedicine and telemedicine services were maybe a little nervous to use it because they didn't think it would be as effective or that they'd be able to adequately communicate with their doctor. And what we're seeing now is people, as we're, we're talking on Zoom now, and I think people of all ages are getting a little bit more comfortable and all sort of tech savviness are getting a little bit more used to communicating this way and realizing they can do it effectively and that it's pretty convenient to be able to just log in from home and have a 15 minute conversation with your physician as opposed to driving, sitting in a waiting room for a half an hour, 
seeing a nurse, then seeing your physician, and then you know uh, filing out some paperwork and going home, that that whole process can be done in a more efficient way. And I think that, so we've seen a mindset change over the last year, people have taken advantage of it, uh, and we've seen that it can be done safely without diminishing the quality of care that's delivered, and that the doctors uh, back up that mindset as well. Hopefully we'll hear a little bit more from that from uh, Dr. Bryce, but that, that this can be done outside the context of an emergency, that this can be done under normal times, normal circumstances, uh, and, and increase convenience, increase efficiency of care delivery, and, and just make the whole experience better for the patient, better for the providers as well. And, and, and that it's time to look at making a lot of these changes we made under the emergency of COVID and saying, let's make these permanent uh, going forward. Do we know how many people here in Delaware have taken advantage of telemedicine services? I'd love to hear that. We had some data, and I, maybe Meredith can speak to that, but we had some data that, that, that showed it was last spring was quite high, that there was quite a lot of utilization going on and, and people were really taking advantage of it and hopefully gaining some comfort with it as well. Yeah, I mean, and I can speak to um, just Christi for Christiana Care, and I think in Delaware, I saw something about almost a million televisit claims um, in, in 2020 during kind of during the pandemic from March through December or something like that. But I think for Christiana, um, it, we, for just calendar year 2020, um, we, we had 182,000 or something like that virtual visits, um, which is um, an exponentially much higher number than anything we had planned to do or done previously. Um, we, um, moved the vast majority of our primary care and our ambulatory, you know, specialty outpatient care to telehealth, um, video and phone visits, um, kind of ramped up training, ramped up infrastructure. Maybe Dr. Bryce could probably tell that story far better yeah. than I can, but very, very quickly. It's my understanding that Christiana Care built up or at least expanded its telehealth services within three weeks. Is that correct? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, to be fair, I should say that the telehealth or telemedicine in some form has existed at Christiana for the better part of about 16 years. You know, if you go back that far, um, we started doing EICU visits, um, you know, about 15 or 16 years ago. Um, and, you know, there have been a number of initiatives over the course of that time, you know, to include things like telestroke and, and, and other initiatives that have really brought the provider to the patient. Um, and so this was not, this is not a new thing. Uh, you know, I tell people sometimes that telemedicine is sort of the oldest new thing, you know, that there, that there is around. It, a, adoption was low and, and um, I think that had um, some to do with, with um, reimbursement and, and regulation. So I think what's really, um, very gratifying to see and probably accelerated um, things so quickly last spring was one, not only the need for it because of COVID, but because some of the regulatory barriers were, were diminished. And that made it a lot easier for providers who had been doing it for a long time, but, but 
um, you know, doing so without significant reimbursement and also providers who I think had not really ventured much into telemedicine to really think, look at it and think about it as a viable option. And so, um, you know, we went from, you know, we were talking, you know, I was brought on to work on, on um, increasing our telemedicine adoption and we worked for almost three years and, and we made as much progress in three weeks that we, that, as we had over the previous three years. Can you give us an example, Dr. Bryce, of some of those regulatory barriers, the barriers that have made telemedicine quite challenging? Well, you know, there, there are a number of examples. I mean, I think, um, for instance, and it's, it's very interesting because my mother had her first video visit this morning, so I can't wait to get home to find out how it went. How old is your mother? She's, she's 82. I'm sure that'll be exciting to hear. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, but I mean, apart apart from you know the reimbursement issues, um, you know, we we had sort of a a very narrow view of what constituted a telemedicine visit. It had to be audio, you know, audio video, um, and you know, I, I think. It, probably one of the, the changes that has probably made a, a, a significant difference is the inclusion of um, audio only visits under what we call virtual health um, because it, it recognizes um, you know, some of the challenges that we have, not just in the state, but, but nationwide in terms of, of um, you know, broadband access and, and, and you know, um, inequities in terms of, of patients being able to access the, this technology. So I think, you know, that, that has made a significant difference in terms of people being able to, to come into sort of the, the, the telemedicine world. If I could just, oh, sorry, mm -hmm. but the, the, the other issue with the telephone and, and the broadband access is, it's kind of a compounding problem because a lot of the communities that don't have broadband also are underserved in healthcare. So they have further to go. So if you live in a rural community in, 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 a, in Southern Delaware, you're, you're not mm -hmm. only, you maybe not have broadband internet to use a video, but then you have quite a distance you have to travel uh, to be able to go get the, the care that you need. So it kind of is a people who most maybe need to be yeah. allowed to, to, to utilize this or the ones who now have the technology hurdle as well to get over. So the telephone really makes sure that we can get this sort of healthcare delivery in the places where it's needed most. Right. You know, but I think another example of that is, is the recognition as the home of the home as the site of care. You know, I think, um, you know, in terms of leveling the playing field, um, you know, those types of changes, I think, have made a, a um, it have been a game changer in terms of getting everybody into into telehealth and you know clinically um, you know from the clinical standpoint um, it is you know i can 't say enough about the opportunity to to go into my patient's home, you know, to be able to see them in their setting in which they're comfortable um, you know it, it it, it probably made sense for a lot of years, for many decades, the way healthcare was set up to have patients come to my office, travel for 
five, 10, 20 minutes or an hour to see me sit in my waiting room and to have that, that whole visit built around um, the convenience of the provider. You know, I'm sure there's, there's great reasons for that um, in terms of, um, you know, access to medical resources. However, you know, that is a significant barrier for some patients. For some of us, we think nothing of it. And for other people, you know, they've got to take a day off work. Um, they've got to arrange for childcare. They've got to arrange for transportation. And then they get to my office and, and, or, and, and then they sit there and wait. And then they see me for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or however long it takes to care for them. But in terms of the, the totality of the visit, the actual visit was a very small portion of, what, of, of the time that they invested. Telemedicine has changed that pretty significantly. You know, it's really taken the care to the patient and put them at the center and made it around their access and their convenience. And it really hasn't taken a lot of, um, off, of, off of me to be able to, to provide that care either. It sounds like a win-win, making telemedicine a permanent option for Delawareans to visit and stay connected with their healthcare physicians is your ultimate goal, correct, Representative Bentz? And telemedicine serves not only that purpose of convenience, but it also helps address, like I said, the, um, the, the areas where there just aren't access, easy access to it. And it's not just uh, distance that you have to travel, say, if you live in a more secluded area, but it's also... Some of those areas don't have specialists. There aren't mental health providers, for instance, and you know they may need to go out of state to be able to see somebody. And a, a lot of this gets into another facet of the bill, but about the interstate compact on on licensing. But this allows it so that you know if you are someone in Delaware and your healthcare provider is in another state, you can also see that provider through telemedicine and not have to drive and leave the state to be able to see them. Um, but it helps close those gaps that exist. So if you're in an area that doesn't have easy access to, say, uh, psychiatrists, that you can use telemedicine to find one and, and find one that isn't necessarily in your community, isn't in your zip code, isn't even in your county, uh, and then be able to see them easily, isn't even in your state. I mean, you, you, can, you can see a, a, a specialist at Penn Medicine. You can see a, a specialist at Johns Hopkins if, if that's what you want to do um, and be able to see them through telemedicine. So it really helps close those gaps, uh, not just for convenience and, and the, the other transportation hurdles that people have, but also just the fact that we have certain areas where there just isn't availability, period. And I think, and I think it has increased the, I mean, and with, we've seen it, I think, with behavioral health and um, with concussion, um, concussion clinic kind of follow-up visits in particular that for, you know, a number of reasons, um, patients were less likely to be able to show up for those appointments. I think, you know, the, the no-show rate was as high as like 50% for behavioral health. And that has, it has virtually eliminated that issue, which means that providers can see, can see a patient more frequently, you know, shorter, higher frequency, you know, more points of contact in the visits. And, and it's much easier for a patient to do a monthly 20-minute check-in than it is to drive and park in a garage and construction and traffic you know every three months so it's been it's been tremendously yeah. helpful for under you know for access to um underserved patients who even even those who have access to a provider but still just have difficulty coming in for appointments yeah i think the other part about that and as you mentioned behavioral health um i i think it 
you know, being able to access those visits from the privacy of your home, I think has destigmatized care, you know, for certain types of care um, that before, you know, folks would avoid. I mean, you know, there's still, there still, unfortunately, people who don't feel comfortable admitting that they're seeing a, a therapist and, and walking into an office really is, is that admission in a big way. And I think, um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I think that's been a huge advantage. I think from the provider's end, it's also an advantage for us to be able to see a patient in their own home setting. You know, I have access to medications they may have forgotten to bring to my office. I can see aspects of their of their home setting that that have a bearing on on why they're able to to comply easily with my recommendations that I might not have been able to see were they in my setting. So I think there are advantages, and I say that not meaning to imply that that virtual care should replace all care. I think there's still, still some aspects of care that that need to or are probably are better provided in person. Um, however, behavioral health is a great example of one of those areas that I think lends itself really well to telemedicine. Representative Bitts, when will the current bill, the current telehealth bill here in Delaware, expire? Is there a timeline for you to get things in moving order? Yeah, it's really important that we get this done this legislative session because we have taken action at the end of last session to codify some of the emergency orders that the governor had had put in place around telemedicine. Uh, and we put a sunset on those really just to, to make sure we, it got us through the, the what we had hoped was the, the worst part of the pandemic. So we had put it in place for a year. So we passed it in June of 2020 with an expiration in June of 2021. So if we want to see a lot of these uh, added benefits, added access continue to exist past uh, June of this year, then we need to take some sort of an action. Uh, and this legislation, I think, would be it. It would really uh, make, like I said, a lot of this permanent and, and have it be in place, you know, past this summer and, and in, into the future indefinitely. Dr. Bryce raised a few interesting points, and Meredith Tweedy brought up some things as well. How can people help support House Bill 160? Well, you know, we, we've heard quite a bit, actually, already. So it's, it's letting folks know that this is an option that you found convenient, that you've been, if you're, you know, sitting at home saying, how do I advocate to, um, you know, my legislator, say, for instance, that, that I want to continue to be able to have this ability to see my doctor this way. You know, it's just letting them know. It's reaching out to them. Now, we have had a very broad coalition of support build around this, this piece of legislation. There isn't that I've heard from um, much resistance within the healthcare industry itself. Physicians seem to like it. Uh, health systems, hospitals, um, payers seem to be on board with this. Uh, so we haven't seen much industry uh, opposition at all, really, anything. I mean, they all sort of see the writing on the wall that this is where we're going and this is where the world's heading and this is, uh, you know, meeting a current need uh, that, that we should continue to do in the future. And it's, you know, if you're somebody who has utilized this is as a way to get uh, health services delivered to you. It's, it's making sure that that your legislators understand that, you know, that you've seen the real value in this and that it's helped with your quality of life and with your whole experience interacting with the healthcare system and that you'd like to see it uh, remain in place going forward. But if you look on the bill, the sponsorship that we're going to show is, is bipartisan as well. So we've seen real broad, uh, wide ranging support for this and making this permanent. 
Dr. Bryce, can you share patients' testimonies, stories from folks who were new to telemedicine services? Uh, what are you hearing from patients? Right. So most of my most of my work with telemedicine is in an administrative role. Um, you know, I've had um, some um, ex- direct experiences, and I'll, I'll tell you, patients um, are always. I'm I'm always very heartened at how appreciative patients are when when we as clinicians go out of our way to make things um, convenient for them. You know, so I think there there were patients who were very reticent about about telemedicine in the beginning. Is this a real, um, you know, is this a real visit? Can you really um, diagnose me correctly, you know, using um, telemedicine? Um, are, are we going to have the same connection that we that we had in person? You know, and I'll tell you that the, that folks have been um, surprised. Um, appreciative that that we've been able to maintain the connection and that they didn't have to go a year without actually seeing some seeing someone um, but but I think I think people have also been and and this goes both way, both ways I was having this conversation this morning you know with another provider at how um, intimate a connection it actually is um, you know, it, so I can't reach out and touch you, um, but I think um, th- that that people underestimate the the sort of one on oneness of telemedicine. There aren't people coming into the room and distracting and and you know five other people you have to interact with before you get to me. Um, um, it, it's I, I think I think they feel like they have our undivided attention, and they didn't have to put out a lot of effort to get that, you know. And so for the 10, 15, 20 minutes that of time that we have, it's all about them. And you know, I I, I don't know. I've I've always had very appreciative patients, but I think I, I've seen that sort of even even more so, you know, with with telemedicine. Any personal experiences? Meredith, you work at Christiana Care. Have you experienced a telehealth appointment? And uh, this question is for you as well, Representative Bent, so feel free to chime in and share if you've talked with one of your physicians through telehealth. We um, actually have a virtual primary care practice for Christiana Care employees that we are kind of working on expanding, and it has been I was probably a little bit skeptical and I am a complete convert to it now and believer. I had a visit and it was like, I had a respiratory infection or something and, and they actually, we always want people on video when they, when they can be. And she had me stand up and was like seeing how well I was moving and could hear me, said she could hear me wheezing on the phone and got me an inhaler and just a follow up. And it was just, it was so easy and so convenient and we're able to do secure direct test text messaging um, in follow-up to that so that I mean I you know I can send a question and not have to call the office and wait on hold and then make sure I pick up when they call back and so it has been it's been huge um, on that and just I have an elderly parent who has um, a, a lot of you know chronic health conditions and different uh, specialists and physicians and has a heart device and um, 
for me, it is much easier to have him see his cardiologist every three months if he needs to, or whichever visit, if I can help him get, I mean, still, you know, the audio only has been great because we don't have to worry that if it, that we can't do that as a backup, but um, taking it, you know, just having to schedule, taking kids and elderly parents to appointments. I mean, just, I've experienced how much easier the televisit option has been for getting my dad to some of his appointments, um, which is also tremendously helpful and I would just would hate to see this go away just you know for that for that reason too so I think I mean it's been really you know positive experiences all around you know my, my own experience isn't personal to me so much but my my son I, I had a, a pediatric tele televisit this was early on in the I want to say it was last summer so it was a little bit more in, into the earlier phases of the pandemic and they weren't taking those sorts of visits in his uh, pediatrician's office. So that we had to do it virtually. And I remember thinking that I, I don't know how this is possibly going to work uh, with a two-year-old. They can, you know, I, I can't keep them focused on much of anything, uh, much less like getting him to stare into a computer screen to somebody he doesn't know and, and, you know, be able to have some sort of an interaction that's going to be productive and, and lead to something uh, beneficial. But, you know, it, it I, I will say it's, it's kudos to the physicians who have been working with this is they kind of know how to work that situation in that sort of a unique setting and much in the same way that that a pediatrician has a very unique clientele that they have to maybe have tricks up their sleeve that mm-hmm. that other other doctors don't but that very much is applying to telemedicine as well and figuring out how to how to get something out of that appointment that that made it worth having. Um, and so my experience there I went into it with a lot of doubts about how, you know, I thought, you know, for an adult myself, yes, I can stare into a computer and get the information across that I need to, but how do you do it where it's much more of a, the work's going to be on the physician to coax what they need out of a patient who's not going to be all that interested in participating themselves and, and found that, that it did work and it was something that we could do. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's going to have an added benefit to that, especially when you start talking about um, things like when an office is closed and in and hours where they're not open and not seeing patients that you can get some sort of consult quickly. Uh, when you're a parent, you know, you don't want to wait till tomorrow. You know, if there's something going on now, you want to get that your kid's not feeling good, something's not right, and it's 10 o'clock at night, you'd love to be able to have some sort of consult right then and there. And there are ways to do that now, and it's all through telemedicine and the availability that exists in that way. Uh, you know, you don't want to drive to the emergency room because your kid's sick, but you also don't really want to wait till the next day because, you know, you just have that worry that exists in you. So it, it allows us to sort of have, uh, like I said, almost on-demand care in a way that it can be delivered efficiently without having to, like, utilize an emergency room, say, which is it's not what, what we really want to see people utilizing it for. Um, so my own experience that way has been has been very ben- beneficial in a circumstance where I thought I had a lot of doubts. Let's just say I had doubts that it was going to work and it, and it worked quite well. Those are the stories that people want to hear, especially from you, Representative Vince, because people will say he gets it. He knows it because he used telehealth services for his son. So thank you for sharing. Uh, any last words from anyone? Any information you feel that people need to keep in mind when thinking about this bill. Can I make a plug for interstate medical licensure compact? <laughs> I, you know, I, I never had to think before about where my patients were 
at the time that I was seeing them, you know, because they were in my office. I never had to think about where they lived or where they worked, um, you know, and telemedicine has made all of that very real. You know, we live in Delaware and we're, we're bordering so many other states. And, you know, I think that's one of the really wonderful things that happened during the pandemic that we really need to find a way to make that continue. You know, um, you know, I would hate to, I, and, and I'm sure I'm not unique as a provider in this. Many of our patients live or work across state lines. Um, the value of telemedicine is that it can happen anywhere um, and at any time. And there's no real guarantee of where that person's gonna be. And so I think, I think making that process easy is, is probably, you know, one of the, the ways that we can really sort of codify and solidify virtual care as, as sort of a permanent fixture. And, um, and yeah, having these things together in this legislation is, is awesome and, and very, just yeah. really, really works well. So mm -hmm. thank you to Representative Fence and Senator McBride and everyone who's sponsoring it. it, it it's for champion, championing this. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it's, uh, I think they're, it's a very, very important piece of, of being yeah. able to do telehealth, telemedicine. Representative Bentz? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, to, to point out kind of the tediousness of why we need that that interstate compact is is Dr. Bryce touched on it, but the, it, the licensure depends on where the patient is, not where the doctor is. So if you are a doctor at Christiana Care and, and your patient is in Maryland, it's where that patient is that allows whether you can see them through telemedicine or not. So technically speaking, that patient could drive across the border, park their car and see you telemedicinely. That's what they would need to do in order to get a telemedicine visit, right? I mean, that's a, that's a very tedious distinction. It doesn't really need to be there. And to flip it around from the patient's perspective, just imagine what that is. You can go see a doctor in any state. You can drive there, right? You can go, but this is where it comes in to fill in those gaps and, and where there just aren't certain practices. If you live in an area where there just aren't, you don't, there isn't a convenient cardiologist to see you or that, that convenient one lives in Maryland, you would have to drive to Maryland to see them in person if you wanted to see them through telemedicine without the light, interstate licensure compact part, you would need to drive across the border, stop your car and then see them that way in order for it to be legal for them to see you. So that's what we're breaking down. So it allows the, the doctors who practice in Delaware to see patients through telemedicine that live outside the state, but it also allows the patients in Delaware who have a specialist or a doctor that they use that's outside the state to get the added benefit as well. So it's really flows both ways, helps the provider and it helps the patient. What's the next step for House Bill 160? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm confident uh, that the Health Committee Chair will put it in on their agenda for uh, this, this next period. And I'm gonna say that with a lot of confidence because I am the Health Committee Chair. So we hope to have a, a health hearing on this as soon as we get back. It's one of those things you can move pretty quickly with because people are comfortable with the concept. It's not brand new stuff we're doing because we've been doing a lot of this stuff for over a year. Uh, so uh, people are, are kind of, they know what we're trying to do here already. And it just becomes a debate about whether or not we should continue to do it post COVID. Um, so that's, I'm confident that there's a lot of support for that and that we can have some pretty swift action on this. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dehousedems 
on Twitter at DE House Dems, on Instagram also at DE House Dems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.